0: EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash inside EMS. Well, this is it, and here we go with another great edition of Inside EMS. I'm Chris he's Kelly, and I gotta tell you, man, summer is in full swing. We're having a good time, even down in world famous Pitkin, Louisiana, where he comes every week to join us on the show. Sitting in the chair to my right, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you?
1: I'm fine, man. I'm, uh, I'm prepping for a for a tropical storm right now. It's uh, uh, Nancy coming home. Uh, looks like I'll have. To- <laughs> yeah no the tropical storm is right before nancy comes home where i run through the house like a cyclone cleaning up and making it presentable that is awesome uh, <laughs> that's that's tropical storm kelly it one occurs of the things about 12 hours before nancy gets home from a trip
0: <laughs> one of the things that i've realized is that in a permanent relationship i am so well trained that i even put the seat down when i'm in a hotel room
1: that yeah, it's, yeah you it's know what i like- mean
0: It just kind of, it just soaks in you. Even if you want to keep it up, just to be a little bit rebellious, you go back in because you feel guilty and you put it down.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like Jeff Foxworthy said, he said his wife was reading a book one night and he said, she said, I'm hot. So he got up, walked across the room to turn off, to turn on the fan. And then he thought, whoa, I wasn't hot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally totally trained i
0: know, um, man, I know.
1: And, and that's how and that's how we are man it's a happy wife happy life amen um, to that
0: brother preach brother so, preach
1: yeah yeah i tell you so i'm i i just uh i just hope that she uh continues to uh um pamper me and spoil me and and i'll do whatever it takes to uh to keep that going
0: all right. Well, there you go with that. So, but you are getting a tropical storm down there. So do be safe. Yeah. If you do yep. have any lightning, let us know. We'll get you off the air as quickly as possible. But, you know, so there are a lot of things that happen in EMS, and one of the things that we try to do is we we try to talk before the shows. We try to figure out where this week's show is going to go. And one of the things that we came up with is there's a lot of things happen in EMS that I think have good relation to topics that we need to really try to talk about. So Kelly, I think I'm going to ask you first during this week what was happening in EMS that really kind of raised an eyebrow or made you think or or kind of came to the conclusion that this would make a good show
1: well i'm this one this story struck me from my grunt perspective working on an ambulance and this is opposition uh to a uh to the so-called ems workers bill of rights uh assembly bill uh 263 um in California. And this comes from, uh, this opposition is a press release from a, uh, major, uh, ambulance provider in the area. Um, and they oppose the, this EMS workers bill of rights. And basically, uh, the bill of rights is to, to give, uh, one of the elements of the bill of rights is to give ambulance, uh, crews, a dedicated, uh, lunch break, uh, X number of hours per shift, and and that's that's one of the things that supposedly is already in uh, California's uh, labor laws, uh, and and ambulance uh, agencies uh, claim they're exempt from that, but. Uh, they call this the Lives Lives Before Lunch campaign, and it highlights the onerous limitations AB 263 puts into place. Its purpose is to educate members of the public to the dangers of the bill and urge them to contact their legislators to vote no when it comes before them. And and you know, my question to you is is at what point do we? Uh, what balance uh, do we strike between um, availability and, and being available for call and the rights to a healthy and safe workplace uh, for, the, for the ambulance crews themselves? You know, there's got to be some balance there. And, and I look at this, this opposition campaign uh, with a, a great deal of skepticism simply because I have worked in EMS, for 25 years, and I've worked for some places that will take every advantage of their people that they possibly can. Not saying that this company will do that, uh, but when everyone starts to sell, lives will be lost, our our response capability will be cut, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, That translates to me as, oh my gosh, it's going to be expensive, therefore we don't want to do it. Um, So I'd like to hear what you think uh, from the other side of the spectrum as an EMS manager. Uh, What do you think is a fair balance to strike?
0: Lunch? They want lunch now. <laughs> you know, here's what I think is this. You know, and I, I think this is more of a global problem in EMS as well. First yeah, off, it's I think my, just listening to that company, right? So my my position is we've got to make time for our providers to eat. We've got to make time for our providers to get some type of rest. Uh, if they're working 24 hour shifts, we need to get them some time that they could sleep. And I think the old days of the way that we're doing things are wrong. We, you know, we got a big <laughs> challenge in EMS where we think about we think about our providers are overweight. And a lot of times it's because these guys and girls cannot get the food, the nutritious food, that they need to eat healthy. You know, All the convenience things,
1: store diet sucks.
0: You know, the things that I was trying to do uh, in, in my last position was I was trying to get with the local restaurants where the folks were stationed to say, if the ambulance calls you, can you put together a healthy meal for them relatively quickly at a relatively modest price, that they can call you and say, we're coming in, what do you got today? Chicken? You got a little bit of beef? You got some good vegetable? You got a little bit of salad? At least they could try to put their hands on something that was a little bit healthy. Now, I think that that's kind of a best practice, but one of the things that we've got to think about here is that if we're not allowing our folks to get a lunch break, to get a downtime— we're precipitating the problem of them eating crappy food. We're precipitating the problem of them increasing their, their weight, which now gives them more stress, which increases their cortisol levels. Now they're going to have you know, possible high cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure. And, and I'm not saying that EMS is the cause of these problems, but I'm saying that if we're taking a position to say that they're not important enough to get them some food or get them some downtime to eat, what kind of career field are we? And I think that this is what the problem is, and I think as e m s leaders, we've got to be able to find a balance between people eating and people just going past and working you know uh you know twenty three hours and a twenty four hour shift you know and when we think about this, why is it so difficult our, our providers are working overtime as it is, why is it so difficult to put trucks up during peak times? in that lunch hour between 10 to two and rotate the trucks out to get some, you know, break to get some lunchtime. And Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I mean, it does come down to money, but we've got to be able to balance now running those calls and getting the providers, the downtime and the food that they need so they can be a little bit healthier.
1: Yeah. You know, and then I I think it, it, a a lot of it is the Pennywise pound foolish, um, mentality. Uh, the, the people that, that constant or the agencies that constantly look at the bottom line and do not want to cede any ground on their profit margin, um, tend to have the, the penny wise pound foolish mentality. They neglect to look at the cost of turnover, burnout, how many employees are having to train, put back on the truck, uh, or they'll, they'll cut cost in training because their turnover is so high. They, they, uh, and it, it takes, uh, takes more time to put quality, new personnel, well-trained new personnel in the field. Well, they'll cut back the training quality because the, they're tacitly admitting to themselves, if not, uh, actually stating it out loud that as long as they got a warm body on the truck. That's all that's important, uh, and as a result, they they tend to ignore the fact that that their customer service declines, their their capabilities and the and the education and, and uh, um, skill level of their employees is diluted somewhat, all because they want to keep up those all important response times and well, be hang able on to a count well, hold on. No, let me let me finish the thing. Oh, you're not done.
0: You mean you're not done? No, I'm not done. Um, yeah, I'm ready. Right, I'm ready.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. Teal <laughs> this is an employee talking to a manager, and you're by God gonna listen if you don't do it in staff meetings. You will hear, but
0: but please, the, the please, thing, please continue, sir.
1: It all boils down to money, 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 as you said, uh, and they they ignore. The fact that they will probably save money in the long run by treating their people better and giving them a healthier, safer, uh, more worker-friendly environment, uh, but they don't look at it that way. Uh, they they can't see things in the long run. Uh, all they see is that they have an unstable, transitor- uh, transient workforce, and people stay only a a year to eighteen months, and it costs X amount of dollars to to save uh, to train these people and. They don't understand their role in why they have a transient workforce and why they can't keep people for a long period of time. And that's part and parcel of it. I know for a fact, as a longtime EMS street provider, that you can pay people really, really well and treat them like crap and they'll stay. Or you can treat people really, really well and pay them like crap and they'll stay. But you can't treat them poorly and pay them poorly and expect them to hang around. Uh, and that's part of the problem here. Now, the question is, is, is this something that should be mandated uh, legally uh, um, like the EMS Workers Bill of Rights proposes to do? Or is this something that should you at least hope that uh, a good EMS agency will, will, will try to do the right thing by their people? I don't know.
0: Chris, oh no, I ain't talking, man. You hurt Chris. my feelings. Nope. No, you hurt no, my feelings. No answer. I'm not talking. Uh, all
1: right. You well, know, here's the thing any, that I wanted
0: to say before. The, before image you,
1: manager has no answer for before that. Before you, you were that.
0: rude. Before you were rude and, and kind of read me the riot. No, I think you make a really good point. But he, here's where I want to go to, and here's what I was trying to interject when you were saying money, because I, I do agree with what you're saying, and I do think that you know. Uh, you know, for one, EMS is not a a, a a you know a career field where the organizations get rich, where the you know EMS uh, providers get rich, and we've got to be able to find that balance. But you you went back to the bottom line. But what about the third city services that have tax bases, and what about you know those those richer EMS services that have reserves? You know, so it's not just a bottom line thing. But it also comes down to, I think, a tradition in EMS where this is the way we've always done it, and we've tried to run our system on the backs of the people who are in the trucks doing the work. Let's try to squeeze one more call after them. I know they're supposed to get off at 7 o'clock, but they're the closest unit. Let's go ahead and try to get them to the call and stay an hour and a half longer uh, to run that call, take that person to the hospital, get back to the base, unload their truck just to be back in 10 more hours. And I think that we've got to start to think about this in a more global approach than just lunch. And we, we don't think about our providers that way. We do think about them as machines. We do think about them a lot as numbers. And I'm here to tell you that there are EMS agencies that have this mentality, and maybe you work in one yourself. That doesn't mean that it's right. But we've got to be able to now find the balance between running calls, being on the street corners, waiting for the next call, but getting those people the time that they need to get the break that they need to eat, to to you know take their shoes off in the park, what, whatever it is, man. But we, I don't, we don't even think about doing that because of no. the tradition of the way EMS has always been. And I'd like to hear yeah. your opinion about that.
1: Well, our... Uh- you know, EMS workers have been their own worst enemy in this regard, you know, and the, the, the company that that's doing the lives before lunch campaign makes a good point that, that municipal third service tax-based agencies, uh, the, the burden is less onerous on them, uh, because they don't necessarily have to be fiscally, uh, as fiscally conservative, uh, and worry about profit loss margins and that sort of thing that private EMS does. And that's a fair point. However, um, we as EMS providers, uh, shoot ourselves in the foot with, with this, uh, lunch, what, what are you, you know, you precious little snowflake needs lunch. Or, uh, uh, if you didn't, uh, if you wanted a decent paycheck and, and the ability to, to put groceries on the table, you shouldn't have signed up for EMS. And, and, and this, this sort of crap that we heap on new providers coming in, um, that uh, we view it almost as a badge of honor that we're poorly paid and and treated poorly, um, and that's got to stop. You know the the millennials. Have a different aspect on work-life balance than my generation had, than your generation had. I know you're a generation ahead of me, uh, Chris. So, so I'm putting this in two different ones. But <laughs> the millennials uh, have a, a a different outlook on work-life balance right. and, and the qu- quality of life, and they're not. That's not to say that that they're less dedicated than we are. Um, I I think the older I get, the more I realize that they have a healthier view on what work should mean to you and how much you owe work versus how much work owes you. And in, until we start advocating for those things, we're going to still have those predatory EMS companies. And, and they all claim, oh, we, if we had to change our shifts or go to shorter shifts, we couldn't keep the doors open. Well, darn it then close the doors and let another agency take up your place that can, that can uh, run leaner. Um, but you always hear that argument with, with people that, uh, poor EMTs falling asleep, driving off the road, injuring themselves and killing their passengers, uh, killing their patients because they were too fatigued to drive because some agency is working them forty eights and 72s with a UHU upwards of 0.4 or 0.5, uh, which is considered, overworked, you know, even in a, uh, or 0.6, uh, which is considered overworked, even if you're working 12 hour shifts. Yeah. Uh, but these kind of things continue to go on in EMS and you always have a contingent of EMS workers who will say publicly, oh, well, that's part of the job. You should have known that before you even signed up. But even worse, that same contingent of EMS workers will take those people's place when they leave, uh, for better working conditions. Me ask you uh, and this and the cycle and the cycle continues. That's got to stop. You know, we the, all need to stand together and say we need better working conditions, period. And if we can't get our employers to do it by voting with our feet, then it seems like the logical comp- progression is, is advocating that our, our legislators mandate it for us. What is happening in California right now?
0: You know, one of the things while you were pontificating on that uh, last. That's what I do
1: best, man, is pontificate.
0: I thought that was a dirty word until I looked it up in the dictionary. (laughs) But, um, you know, I I thought about this, though. If we were giving our providers a break midway through their shifts, do you think there would be a decrease in stress and uh, I don't want to say PTSD, but do you think that they'd be able to cope with their days a little bit better where they at least had an hour to take their mind off the job? I mean, I got to think there's some value in there, yeah?
1: Oh yes, indeed. And 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 I'll I'll expose the the lie that it is that we can't that agencies can't afford to do this and, and so on and so forth. Take your supervisor in a fly car and pull him out to where you know, pull that supervisor out to wherever that ambulance happens to be parked in your high efficiency system status management system and put him in the driver's seat for a little while while they go eat simple enough have him respond to a respond to uh yeah but you got the challenges of bigger
0: systems though you got the challenge of bigger system that's got 20 trucks on a street at a time 25 trucks on a street at a time how do you do that with one person i think then 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 you've got to think about maybe getting some peak time i mean how
1: many people how many people
0: people in EMS kelly would love to come in for four hours a day between the hours of 10 and 2
1: yeah you need peak load staffing no question about that you need to put on extra trucks to deal with that demand, but it all comes down to the dollar bills and they don't want to spend that money rather than spend your money uh, and effort on a, on an ad campaign uh, uh, lobbying legislators and, and voters to vote against a bill that grants your workers some additional relief. Uh, How about you spend that time lobbying the the, uh, public and the legislators and the voters that EMS is expensive and to do this right for the people that we employ, um, we need more money to do this with. But no, um, the lies before lunch is a, is, is the, the path of least resistance. Uh, not to point out just this particular campaign. It's just a problem in EMS in general. Um, and, and to put the lie to that, go to a communication center and invariably – and I'm not – I love my dispatcher. Uh, you hear that, man? I love you dispatchers, especially when I'm on duty. But That's not, um, what, he,
0: that's not what he says when we're not so recording. So
1: guys, those guys – Uh, are paid more than we are because uh, according to the the administrative types, uh, their job is is higher stress. Um, They're paid more than we are, yet they get their lunch breaks. They get their lunch breaks they get an hour break for lunch i know it i can time my watch by it because all the moon units move uh when the new dispatcher comes on the console uh even though there are no calls coming in everybody has to shift for whatever reason um but they get their hour-long lunch break in that high stressful job uh yet somehow they managed to to be able to afford and plan for that sort of thing well why I think- can't they do that for the field crews who are actually out there Suffering the the effects of fatigue and and hunger. Um, I think you need and,
0: a I think you need fashion. a hug. I think you need a hug. Hey, I do. So I just, do. I need a hug. Hang on a From
1: my dispatcher and from my managers. Hey, <laughs> and you better know, yet, not a hug. Buy me a freaking meal and give me thirty minutes to eat it.
0: You know, but <laughs> I think that that's one of the things that we need to be able to try to do. And you know, uh, kind of, I started off this show where I talked about the best practice of getting in touch with some of the restaurants that are in the area, and you know. Give them the opportunity to uh, call them and say, "Hey, you know we're going to be in your service area in the next fifteen minutes. Uh, what do you got that's healthy that you can make for us and pick up and then and that you know, was
1: a novel approach and then I give totally them the did thir- not expect to hear that
0: yeah, and then give them the thirty minutes just to sit there and eat it, and I think we've got to figure out ways and you know uh, we're not here to point fingers. I mean we're in the career field that we're in and, and, and this is the you know and this is the environment that we created that we invented for it to be, uh, you know, for us to be in this career field. So when we sit here and we point fingers at the at the broken, uh, you know, at the... Uh, at the broken
1: at, system, not the broken agency.
0: So I think what we've got to remember is that. But how do we now, you know, let's start to think about it now for the year 2020. and And what can we put in place now as we think about the future of EMS and how we can move forward and think about the people who are going to be in the trucks. Now, I think EMS is going to change. I think as we start to move into this community paramedic, and I'm back to community paramedicine, you know, I think we're going to be more healthcare agencies that sometimes has to do ambulance calls more than being ambulance calls that never does any uh, you know, primary care work. So mm-hmm. I think as we start to think about this now, the environment that we're in is the environment that we're in. But what can we come up with that changes this practice? and ensures that we can start thinking about our workforce and keeping them as healthy as possible. Uh, I think we got to find that answer, Kelly.
1: Yeah, I, and I don't think we're going to, uh, there, there's no magic bullet solution to this. It's going to take a multidisciplinary approach. You're going to have to do things like educate the public uh, about what is appropriate use of 911 rather than, you know, if you happen to have a hangnail, it could be serious. Call 911. Um, we've got to roll back the the uh, the the PR that we've done over a couple of generations on, on how we are utilized to reduce the demand, uh, for our services. Uh, we start need to start fostering some realistic expectations of what an ambulance can provide, what an ambulance should provide. And by doing that, that reduces our workload a little bit and we're able to treat our work, our, our crews better. Um, uh, and not sacrifice our response capability. Um, and and it's going to require all those things. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I'm, am just not sure that we can rely on, uh, the goodwill of the employer to treat his employees. Right. Because, uh, they realize they have a disposable workforce, uh, and that there are other people lined up to be abused after the, uh, the last set of people, uh, gets disgusted and leaves. Um, and, and that's the sad state of affairs. Uh, you know, I, and I've seen this, this is a pattern that's played out for 25 years in, in every ambulance service I've worked for and, and many other, amb, uh, to some degree or another, some treat you better than others. Uh, and the ones that treat you better than others tend to retain their employees for longer. Uh, but you would think that EMS managers would be able to grasp that, uh, truism, uh, but, but they don't seem to be able to. Um, so if, if you don't do it yourselves, uh, and the the government, uh, the ultimate blunt instrument, uh, has to step in. Uh, it's always going to be regulations that are far more onerous than you could have applied yourself. Uh, I'll use the helicopter EMS indus- industry as an example. You know the the, the need for uh, for tighter safety regulations and better equipment and all that had been apparent for many many years. Uh, yet. You finally, uh, you know, when the, when the FAA has to step in and say, you must do these things, it's almost uh, almost always more onerous and more restrictive uh, than what they could have put in themselves uh, by self-policing themselves and adopting best practices and standards. Uh, but, you know, Ground EMS seems, seems to uh, learn those lessons late, uh, if ever. But, hey, that's what I think. Uh, we want to hear what you think. Email us at theshow at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.